Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great pleasure to welcome back to Talk Nation Radio Nicholas J.S. Davies, who writes about U.S. foreign policy, war, and militarism for Consortium News and other outlets. He has been working as a researcher with Code Pink and co-authored a couple of reports we can talk about. Uh, One is called War Profiteers, the U.S. War Machine and the Arming of Repressive Regimes. Uh, He is also the author of the excellent book, Blood on Our Hands, The American Invasion and Destruction of Iraq. Nicholas Davies, welcome back to Talk Nation Radio. Yeah, hi David. So you have also uh, more recently just put out a report uh, about election corruption, election funding from weapons dealers in the United States. What is that report called? Yes, that is basically just called the Code Pink uh, Peace Voters Guide for 2018, and that is up on the Code Pink website. And um, basically, it just brings together uh, peace actions, uh, um, percentage ratings on how often uh, members of Congress vote as requested by Peace Action, Code Pink, uh, World Beyond War, and Roots Action, and all the other members of the peace community in this country. And, um, but also, uh, from Open Secrets, we have corresponding data on how much money each of them has taken from the U.S. arms industry in this election cycle. But I think the critical thing here is we put all of this together on on charts uh, that are easily accessible in one place on the Code Pink website. So I would urge everyone to go take a look at those and see how the people who are supposed to represent you actually vote on war and peace issues and how much money they have taken from the arms industry in this election cycle. Do, do you include funding of new candidates who haven't yet uh, been in office? No, no. We that that would be good, but we we didn't manage to get it that far. Well, I I think it's very useful. As we discussed off air, I don't uh, I don't think those peace action studies uh, represent really where people are on peace or war. I mean, they can't be worthless, but they but they they select a very small number of rather obscure votes in an attempt to display some some partisan difference uh, between the two parties in Washington D.C. So that if if everybody votes for for war or everybody votes for peace, they completely ignore the those votes, correct? Well, yeah. I mean, they, but they are—they um, are what we had available to us. Without, sure. you know, we may manage uh, in future to do um, to do our own uh, version of this um, with the votes that the, we think are important. But um, you know, I've, I think this information is probably just uh, a lot more valuable than people not having any information at all. Uh, I, I would guess so, yes, and I very much hope that you do do that in, in the future. Um, let, let's uh, talk about this uh, report that you, that you put out some weeks back now um, about, well, well, you look at 
five particular weapons dealers and three particular countries that that weapons are exported to from the United States. Is that is that right? And how did you go about choosing those? Yeah, well, these are the five largest U.S. arms companies. Um, They are also five of the six largest global arms companies. The UK's BAE Systems also fits in there, um, is about the same size as uh, Northrop Grumman or General Dynamics, so would come in maybe fifth, pushing General Dynamics down to sixth. But um, these, you know, these five companies between them uh, rake in about half of the U.S. spending on uh, weapons uh, procurement and development uh, between just between the five of them. And uh, they also um, have been really pushing and growing their arms exports in the last few years. Um, and I think and, and from Dion, just just to tell people what they are really fast from the top down, if I'm not mistaken, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, General Dynamics. Is that right? That's it. That's all five of them. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, one of them I think was Raytheon um, says that it has actually grown its arms exports every single year, uh, year over year for the past 14 years. And um, so, and of course, they have they have absolutely grown their revenues from our tax dollars, um, and the um, you know the U.S. Uh, military budget uh, writ large, including you know not just the Pentagon budget, but the uh, you know all the money going into the military industrial complex. Uh, now constitutes 73% of discretionary spending in the fiscal year 2019 uh, budget. And so this, you know, this, this, this is a business model. And, you know, like the rest of the capitalist world, these, um, you know, these companies uh, have found a way to just keep growing their revenues year over year over year. And these sales to uh, countries overseas are a bigger and bigger part of that. Uh, Saudi Arabia, in particular, is now has the third largest military budget in the world um, after the U.S. and China. It's larger than Russia, larger than the U.K., larger than France. Um, and um, so, you know, what we were looking into uh, in this report is not just how much these countries are buying from these companies, but what they are doing with these weapons. Because basically, uh, when you we're looking at Saudi Arabia, Israel, and Egypt, and all three of them are use, or ha- have used regularly their U.S.-made weapons to, um, to, to massacre civilians. Um, and the U.S. Congress and the State Department uh, com- completely have completely failed to uh, hold them accountable at all. You know, under U.S. law, the Arms Export Control Act and other laws, the U.S. is supposed to suspend 
the sales of weapons to countries that use them to slaughter civilians and commit war crimes. But uh, in effect, the, the U.S. has exported its own standards of accountability in, you know, just as U.S. forces use these weapons against civilians with impunity in Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, and, you know, in all of our wars, um, effectively in outsourcing war to these countries and selling them weapons to conduct the same kind of operations that the U.S. conducts. Uh, You know, the U.S. has in the past few years bombed cities in Syria and Iraq to the ground, Mosul, Raqqa, Kobani, and and there there is no accountability whatsoever under the laws of war for U.S. forces that, that, that destroy entire cities and massacre civilian populations. And so and the same standards are, are really now applied through many of the same techniques to um, these, these other countries that have become our proxies. You know, the U.S. is outsourcing war in the Middle East to others, you know, to avoid... The, the blowback it gets in America when it you know when U.S. forces are involved on the ground in wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, and, and so this is this is a win-win for the U.S. arms companies. They keep selling weapons. Uh, the the weapons are used to bomb civilian targets all over Yemen and, and Gaza and in 2006 in, in Lebanon. And, um, you know, the U.S. keeps replenishing those weapons, buying, buying bombs from General Dy- Dynamics, buying fighter jets from, from Lockheed Martin and Boeing. And, um, and this, and, but basically what we have here is an industry that profits from human rights abuses, atrocities, massacres, and and from this this regime of impunity. What um, in another context, Amnesty International once called uh, a, 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 a an accountability free zone that um, cover, covers U.S. military operations around the world. And, you know, it's being expanded to include U.S. allies uh, who, who use these weapons possibly even more indiscriminately than the U.S. itself does. So we're speaking with Nicholas Davies, who's uh, co-authored, among other reports, together with Medea Benjamin at Code Pink, the report War Profiteers, the U.S. War Machine and the Arming of Repressive Regimes. So in, in picking Saudi Arabia and Israel and Egypt to look at, you weren't looking for the the biggest recipients of U.S.-made weapons, but perhaps for those that that make the most use of them. Is that accurate? Yes, I mean, I mean, obviously, the U.S. has long exported uh, weapons, um, and it has used its own wars really as marketing exercises to, uh, you know, to show what these weapons can do. And um, 
But, you know, when the U.S. sells weapons to Germany or Holland or, you know, other NATO members, there is a general, general sense that, uh, you know, that they are somewhat for defensive purposes. And uh, where does that sense exist and what can we do about uh, remedying it? <laughs> well, um, but I, I think in the when it when it comes to when it comes to the Middle East, and I, I think perhaps a, a more um, a more relevant um, context is to think about how the U.S. has armed dictators around the world for decades and the kind of trouble that this has caused. I mean, the, the U.S. built the Shah of Iran up to the point where he had the fifth largest army in the world. So there's, there's quite a, you know, there's quite a parallel here with the way the U.S. has built up the Saudi regime and its, and its armed forces, because literally just the other side of the Persian Gulf should be an object lesson for us in, in, you know, how this is likely to pan out. Um, and 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 sure enough, the uh, you know, in the really the first major use of all these weapons that uh, the U.S. has sent to Saudi Arabia, you know they they are in the process of completely destroying uh, their neighbor Yemen. I I mean from from early on in this war, from like you know the first year of the war, you already had. Um, UNICEF uh, um, telling the world that a child in Yemen was dying every 10 minutes from the results of this war. That was two years ago. At the same time, you had a, a, a report by an NGO around the same time, you know, uh, the, towards the end of 2016, that at least a third of Saudi airstrikes are hitting civilian targets, including schools, hospitals, mosques, marketplaces, um, and of course uh, people's homes. And 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 yet this has just carried on and on for you know at least another two years after the whole world knew what the Saudis were doing with these weapons. And so... Well, what do you make... I'm sorry to interrupt, but what do you make of the fact that it has been so, so difficult, not just for two years, but for many years now, back into the previous U.S. regime in Washington, to get people to care about the the deaths of first of of dozens then hundreds now tens of thousands of human beings in Yemen and then one man uh, is killed without bombs without the use of any of these weapons reportedly with a saw uh and because of that uh there are questions raised about continuing to sell the Saudi government bombs it's it's as if if they would only kill people with the bombs then it's okay to give them more bombs but the minute they kill somebody with a different weapon that's not a bomb that's a knife or a or a saw or a chemical weapon uh, then immediately there are questions about selling them more bombs it's hard for me to make any sense of this 
Well, I think in a sense this is the U.S. Uh, propaganda backfiring on itself because, uh, you know, the U.S. has waged this war in Iraq and Syria against Islamic State uh, based on precisely the, the, the idea that the way we kill people is somehow civilized and the way they were killing people by cutting their throats and cutting their heads off was not. And, um, of course, now we have, and of course, Saudi Arabia cuts people's heads off in public executions once a week. Um, uh, but we don't see that um, on our TV screen. It's very rare. You can find it on the Internet. But um, And so, you know, I think, I think this is sort of backfiring in, in, in the sense that, um, you know, these, these people who, who Trump in particular has, has very openly embraced and, uh, and cozied up to, uh, you know, Obama negotiated most of these weapons sales, but, um, uh, you know, that Trump then took credit for, um, you know, it's, it's, Weapon sales take a while to negotiate, so uh, you know the, the fact that they were that Trump took credit for them right at the beginning of his administration. I think suggests that a lot of them probably Obama de- deserves more of the credit or blame for. Um, but um, but yeah, this this is um, yeah this this really has. Um, I, I think this I think this has actually been in a sense a kind of a last straw for, for a lot of people because there, there was already starting to be some pushback in Congress over the weapon sales and the U.S. role in the war. It was getting harder and harder for U.S. politicians and media to simply frame this as something the Saudis were doing rather than something that we were we are involved in that the US is involved in and um so we there had been a couple of votes in in the Senate that were not that far off uh curtailing this um you know there was a vote in March um that was the last vote that was you know 6 or 7 months ago and the vote, I think, was um, 55 to 44. So um, that, that, you know, that was 44 senators uh, saying, no, you know, we, we want to stop this. So, um, you know, I, and I think, but I think the way, the way the U.S. has covered for Israel and Saudi Arabia, essentially, um, almost nothing they could do would um, would actually, um, you know, lose the, the support of the U.S. Um, you know, they've had unconditional support, both of them, regardless of the war crimes they commit, regardless how many thousands of civilians they kill. Um, and um, but, and I think, whereas whereas. Israel has had that kind of unconditional support 
from, you know, bipartisan support from U.S. politicians for a long time. You know, it, it was kind of a, a, a bit of a newer thing that, you know, that Saudi Arabia would be massacring people in its uh, neighboring country and enjoying that kind of support. The, you know, the... Um, Western propaganda system absolutely was framing Mohammed bin Salman as a reformer who was, you know, allowing women to drive, even though the women that led that uh, campaign were getting locked up in prison. Um, that that was less widely reported, and and so sure. you know the U.S. the U.S. propaganda system was happy to embrace Mohammed bin Salman. As a uh, as a reformer and as a progressive of some kind, and you know, of course, because he was only doing what we do: bombing civilians, killing people, and you know, Americans really forget. I think you know, willfully, they're never reminded by their media that you know that that, that a uh, a five hundred pound or two thousand pound general dynamics bomb or a Lockheed Martin Hellfire missile can can ravage the body of a child, you know, as horribly and as painfully as, um, you know, as what these people appear to have done to Khashoggi or, or what, um, you know, wars of old with swords and and knives and spears did, did to people. Um, you know, the, our, our fetish for technology has has successfully, um, you know, just just sort of whitewashed what our advanced weapons actually do to our fellow human beings. Well, I think ever since the post-World War II trials tried every crime except bombing cities to the ground because the, the victors doing the, the, the prosecutions had done that themselves, uh, it, it's, it's been a, a sort of a non-criminal crime not to be prosecuted, not to be challenged. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the permissible way to murder people. But, you know, you did, Nicholas Davies, you did some great articles uh, in recent years, uh, during the Obama years in particular, on on the number of bombs being dropped on various countries, uh, has has that rate of of bombing people's houses gone gone up or down or stayed about level since uh, Donald Trump moved to town? Well, Donald Trump escalated the bombing everywhere. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I mean, notably, the places where it was happening the most, which were Iraq and Syria and um, and Afghanistan. Um, but the, the bombing, the bombing of Iraq and Afghanistan under the pretext of, of bombing uh, ISIS was, um, you know, just just the, the heaviest bombing campaign that the U.S. has carried out anywhere in decades. And um, uh, really dwarfing the, the the bombing that was and is happening in Afghanistan, but it, it, you know this 
and 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 in the first year of the Trump administration, that campaign to 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 destroy Mosul and Raqqa was essentially completed. I mean, Patrick Coburn of the Independent newspaper visited Raqqa a few months ago, and he, you know, he said, and in you know decades of reporting from that part of the world, I mean, he he'd never seen anything like it. I mean, he said, whereas even Mosul, you know, you find some neighborhoods where, where, um, you know, some there are some homes undamaged and and uh, but 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 Raqqa. Uh, you know, there's there's no no part of the city that is that is not uh, damaged and destroyed, um, and but that that was completed in 2017 under Trump, and so so the, the bombing of Iraq and Syria now is much 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 less. Um, <clears throat> on the other hand. Um, but, but I mean that campaign was altogether all over a hundred thousand bombs and missiles dropped on those two countries. That compares with, with you know what we called shock and awe in two thousand three, which was twenty nine thousand bombs and missiles. So this was this was uh, shock and awe time multiplied by three or four times. Um, you know what's happened in Afghanistan. I mean, Afghanistan has been more steadily bombed now for years and years and years. I mean, for the last couple of years of the Bush administration and the first few years of the Obama administration, it was about it was about a um, about a hundred bombs and missiles every week for about five years. Um, you know going through the years of, of Obama's escalation of the war. And then that, too, quieted down for a while, down to maybe two or 3,000 uh, bombs a year. And under Trump, in his first year, that went back up. So I, I haven't looked at the figures lately, but I, I, I think, you know, they're, they're probably back up to, to dropping about 100 uh, you know, maybe certainly fifty to a hundred um, bombs and missiles on targets in Afghanistan every week. Um, you know, as, as 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 hopelessly as it has been for years, with no no conceivable end in sight in terms of actually defeating the Taliban, who now control more of the country than at any time since 2001 and and operate freely through a, a whole lot more of it. Um, so, you know, this, like the war in Vietnam and previous wars, has become as much as anything else about U.S. credibility and and about pursuing the least worst option for from a U.S. point of view, including the credibility, which is to continue the war rather than to sort of ad admit defeat. Meaning, among uh, other things, the exact opposite of the dictionary definition. We've got about 30 seconds left. Where can people follow your work? Where can people find the reports, etc.? People can Google my name, Nicholas J.S. Davies, and read everything I've ever written at Consortium News, before that with Alternet and, and other outlets. A lot of my stuff is, 
also published at antiwar.com. And um, and I've written quite a bit lately with Medea, which uh, gets posted on Common Dreams or on the Code Pink website. Um, also, please, if you haven't read my book out there, Blood on Our Hands, The American Invasion and Destruction of Iraq. Highly recommend it. Nicholas Davies, thank you very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you for having me, David. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.